miscommunication there. I'm going to go ahead and read the rest of those, those verses. <laughs> Keep your Bibles open to the text there. Oh, <laughs> that's all right, Brad. Uh, but I'm glad that you're here this morning. I'm glad because you have an opportunity with me and for all of us to remember this amazing day. And think about this. Steve was mentioning how, you know, every time we gather together, we can remember the death of our Lord and his resurrection. That's great. We can remember it every single day. This is an anniversary, so to speak, because as Steve was mentioning, the, the Passover week, some refer that to Passion Week or Palm Sunday and the, and, and the ensuing events leading up to the death and resurrection of our Lord. It is, from a historical standpoint, and for those who believe in God, the greatest day there ever was. Historically speaking, that's true. Without this day, what we are doing right now is meaningless. And so it's a very, very beautiful thing that we get to hear this message this morning, but hopefully beyond that, that it strikes a chord within you as to how you're living your life. And I, I hope that that reflects a resurrected life in you. So let's read out of the text. I'm going to read out of the, from the screen since it's a different translation than what I have here. It says, On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. Don't go ahead, Brad. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day, rise again. And they remembered his words. And returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, there were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James. And also, the other women with them that were telling these things to the apostles. But these words appeared to them as nonsense. And they would not believe them. But Peter got up, and he ran to the tomb, stooping and looking, and he saw the linen wrappings only. And he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. Beautiful reading. Absolutely beautiful. In fact, you could have read Matthew's account, which was read somewhat, and you could read in Mark's account... It's absolutely an amazing thing that you're going... To take all these spices as these women were out of their great love for their, their rabbi. The rabbi who they were thinking was the Messiah. And out of respect and honor for the dead, they were going to take care of his body. And here at this very moment, with these spices in hand, ready to, to work on this body, they look up. And realize 
they're going to have to have this big, huge boulder of a stone be moved. And I don't think those Roman soldiers were pretty uh, keen on moving that stone away. They had strict orders about what would happen by possible disciples of Jesus in stealing that body. So to ensure that wouldn't happen, those soldiers would not have done such. So they're wondering, who's going to roll the stone away? And of course, none of the gospel accounts give great detail to this fact, but just the reality that when they looked up, the stone was moved. It's an amazing picture. I mean, if you're one of those soldiers, good luck. Because your life is, is in your own hands now. And it's not going to be but for long before they realize something big has taken place. So I'm going to leave it for there for just a moment. Because it is this very story this morning that many are making choices with regard to their walk with God. There, there are many choices. In fact, people are making every single day with regard to whether or not they even believe that God exists. Whether or not that this thing that is called the Bible is really true. Or whether or not there's a guy named Jesus who actually came into this world who actually purposely went to his own death to tell us that that death was going to take away our sins. And if that wasn't enough, that he would actually raise up from the dead and be presented as alive before hundreds of people. Now, I believe in this. But logically, I don't believe. Logically, it just doesn't make sense. How is that possible? Whoever has seen a miracle take place here? Anybody? I mean, that you can actually say, yeah, there was a person I knew that was dead. Yeah, he's alive now. Who's going to believe that? But I believe beyond this logic in my head thinking there are eyewitnesses, hundreds of eyewitnesses. There are people risking their lives Days after Jesus rose from the dead, risking their lives to tell others about the resurrected Jesus. And then there are those that believed it, and they were willing to risk their lives, and they were willing to risk their lives. And every generation, there are people willing to risk their lives to this day, 2,000 plus years later, or give or take. That's an amazing thing. I am willing to risk my life to tell this very story. Now, I'm not in fear of it today. I'm not fearing that someone's going to walk through the doors right now. Even if there is a slim, very slight possibility that that could happen, I'm willing. And every single day of our lives, every one of us should have this kind of conviction. This is the kind of conviction that would give us what I would refer to as resurrected lives. One that goes from fearing death to living life. So let's talk about this for, for just a bit, little bit because I'm coming back to this concept of decisions and there are many decisions being made this very hour all across the world with regard to how to go about this particular Sunday. There are some of you who are here this morning and you came not because of anything other than the fact that every single Sunday we as a body of believers come together. That's why you're here. Some of you have come because this is Easter Sunday. In fact, 
every Sunday as I come to the building, I live in Spring Hill, and we take the back road, Cardis Creek, coming in. And every Sunday, there's a, about the same traffic. Unless there's some accident, unless there's something on the road, the traffic is about the same. Did you guys notice the traffic this morning? On Carter's Creek, there was a ton of cars in front of me. Like, it was just one car after another after another. I thought, what in the world? Well, of course, I already knew, but I was like, this is amazing. How many cars are on Carter's Creek at 8.30 in the morning? Now, most of them turned left at that stop as you get to South Hall Road going into Leaper's Fork. There's a mega church there, right? Eight of those 10 cars turned left. And another 20 cars going south turning right onto that very road too. A lot of cars because this is Easter Sunday. And so many come for that reason. And then today, preachers are also making their choices as what they're going to preach on and what have you. And some of them are preaching from a variety of angles about this very day for, even, against this day. Some are. I want you to look at Philippians chapter 1. This is a passage if... I don't remember what I preached on last year, so I actually went back to my sermon. <laughs> and I tried to see what was it I was preaching about this particular day, exactly the message. But one of the passages I read last year was here in Philippians chapter 1. Because this is the vantage point by which some share God's word on a daily basis. Let alone on what's referred to as Easter Sunday. So look at Philippians chapter 1 with me. And read verses 15 through 18. Look at what he says. Paul says to the saints at, at Philippi, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife. And some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, he said. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. This is the very thing Ben was praying about. What then, the Apostle Paul says, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. There are some here this morning that will, will have sermons along the lines that, you know, Easter's origins have pagan ties. It's true. There's pagan ties. I'm telling you right now, the fact that we are here on a Sunday has pagan ties. The very word. Every day of the week has pagan ties. And so some are going to, to tell the truth about these religious ties to paganism. Anyone actually worshiping Satan this morning? I didn't think so. I think those that are coming this morning want to remember... The Son of God who conquered death because the message is one of hope. And that's what I want to share this morning. So we've got choices that we're all making while we're here. Those who are preaching God's word, why they do it, for what reasons and what have you. And so I want to deal with that very theme of choices that are being made. God had his own. We're only looking at a few of them, but I want you to notice God's choice with regard to this resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, as was mentioned in scriptures, everything that God does is with purpose. 
In, in Matthew chapter 16, I want you to open your text there, and I want you to read with me the very fact that God chose who, when, where, you could even get into other scriptures that deal with the why, Jesus was chosen to die on a particular time for our sins. Look at the text here. Matthew chapter 16, and here in verse uh, 21. He says here, from that time, the narrator Matthew does of Jesus, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. So important is this text that even Luke in his gospel, in Luke chapter 9, I think it's in verse 50 or 51, he says basically the same thing, that Jesus' mind or his heart was set for Jerusalem. Nothing was going to stop him. And from Luke chapter 9 to Luke chapter 19, that's exactly the text of him making his way to Jerusalem and to the cross. That was God's choice. That I'm going to send my son, my only begotten son, into this world. He's going to live this life. And on this particular time, when the, the season is right for this to happen, he's going to make his way and journey back to Jerusalem. That's the picture that Steve read for us this morning. And that's what we see. God chose even the significance of what that resurrection was going to mean. In fact, you know why when we in the pulpit or in Bible studies or in conversations with our friends, we talk about baptism so much. And even Michael was referring to this. He sees the urgency in the teaching here about with regard to baptism. If you go to Romans chapter 6, there is so much significance on baptism because it is tied directly to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what you're seeing. Right? In verse 1, he says, you know, shall we sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? That's what he's saying. So that we would be in the likeness of his death and we would be in the likeness of his resurrection. That we may walk in newness of life, verse 4 tells us. So here's that picture, right? We got this baptistry here. You go down into the water, and it's likening unto the death of Jesus. And when you come up out of that watery grave, you're coming up to walk in newness of life, but it's tied to his resurrection. That's how important that is. And that's the significance of the resurrection as it's tied to our lives. God chose that very specifically and intentionally. We could read in Philippians chapter 3. In fact, here is a passage that helps us further understand the significance of the resurrection. Go to, go to that chapter here. Philippians 3. And Paul then takes his resurrected life and says, here's what it looks like. All right? My life has changed. He says, what things were gained to me, these are counted but loss. Yet... Indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things. But I count them as rubbish. I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, 
the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Wow. Think about that. Before Christ, I'm living the way I want to live. Even if it may be from a standpoint of, of the law, the Apostle Paul was like, look at me. Look how great I am. I'm this Pharisee, and I've been putting Christians to death or I've been casting my foot against them. I am this amazing person. And he says, all that is rubbish. You know what matters? Believing that Jesus is the Christ who died and rose again. That's the power of God working in me, my faith in him. And that is why he was willing to give his life, be willing to beaten, be beaten, be willing to, to serve others. I mean, traveling all over the world, the known world then, sharing good news that Jesus rose from the dead. And it didn't stop him one bit, whether he'd be shipwrecked or stoned for the intention of being killed. He kept at it. Who does that? Who actually is willing to give their life for something that is a lie? Not me. But when you're convicted in something, even if things don't, from a logical standpoint, make that sense, and some have difficulty, like, well, if it doesn't make sense, then you can't believe in it. There are some things like that. We experience it every time when we get together in some of our Bible studies. When we're discussing things that, well, it's well beyond our knowledge and comprehension. But we still believe. I don't know how God's spirit works in me. I believe. And so we're talking about these matters of great conviction that God was choosing of great significance because many people were wanting, well, they're wanting deliverance. They're wanting something better than what they had. And in this case, whether it's the Jews who are wanting deliverance from the Roman Empire or the Jews ultimately who are wanting deliverance from this body of sin. That's what we see. The power of God through Jesus Christ and his resurrection. In fact, that's exactly the way Paul opens his letter when writing to the church at Rome. He says he declares um, of Jesus to be the son of God with Power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. That's exactly why God's message of the resurrection is so significant to anyone who is willing to believe. That's God's choices that he's made. And there are many more, but you get the idea. There are a number of choices with regard to Jesus, but I just want to read this text here in John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, verses 38 through 40, and we're going to focus in on the first part. The last part, we'll focus in on the latter part of the, the lesson here. But look at the choice of Jesus. Remember, he set his mind and he set his heart to Jerusalem because that's the whole intent, to die for our sins. Jesus said, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. Did, did you get that? I came to die, but I'm not losing anything. 
can you let that transfer in? Because what sometimes goes on in the minds of many Christians, when we think of Christianity in the way of a Christian life, is well, it's, it's going to cost you, and there is a cost. I mean, we can talk about the cost of discipleship. But the attitude is such where there is no cost. See that? There is a cost in the case of Jesus, his life. But his attitude was such, I've lost nothing. One more time. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all he has given me, I lose nothing. But I raise it up on the last day. In fact, keep that in mind. Go to Philippians chapter 2, and this is a passage we often read, verses, well, verses 1 through 9. But particularly verses 5 through 9, dealing of the mind of Jesus Christ, right? And read verse 9 with me on the mindset the Apostle Paul had with regard to Jesus Christ. And it's very similar to here in John chapter 6. Philippians chapter 2, it says over here that God highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name. This is right after it says that he gave himself even to the point of death on the cross. And the play on words here is that God highly exalted him infers, or I should say implies, the resurrection. That's how he was brought up high. That's the picture of him being exalted, if you will. That every name would bow before the name of Jesus. That's the picture. And that was Jesus' choice. He came in here of his own volition. That's what Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, right? He made himself of no reputation coming. And he didn't consider robbery to be equal with God. He, he made himself a servant as a son of God. That was his choice. So God's choice is we're all sinners, but he wants to give us his son as a propitiation, as a means or as a substitutional means for our sins. That was his choice. The son's choice is I give up my life. You, you can strike this temple down, but in three days it'll be raised back up. His choice. So God has a choice. His son is given a choice. Well, guess what? You have a choice too. Just as surely as you chose to be here and you choose whether to come here, whether it's on a Wednesday or next Sunday, some of you choose to come here, some of you choose not to come here, some of you choose to go elsewhere, some of you choose not to do anything. Some of, it's all going to be our choices, right? Here's your choice with the message given today. I want you to think about this. You choose whether or not to believe in the resurrection. That is, any resurrection, that someone could actually come to life having died. That's your choice. Specifically, you can choose whether or not you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. This morning, if you guys took the um, opportunity at 8.15, we've got that radio program. My goal was to reach those who are in the world that are thinking about this very choice. The choice for them to say, do I really believe that Jesus actually died and rose again? Do I believe in the reason for that? Do I believe that God has that kind of power? Do I even believe that God exists to do this very thing that the Bible says was done? I want you to look at the ramifications of your choice. 
Because the Apostle Paul deals with this in 1 Corinthians 15 because there were Christians who somehow did not believe in the resurrection. At some point, they lost the very faith that they agreed to and believed in. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, oh, my word, if we could just, one day that would be just the whole sermon, 1 Corinthians 15. Just read that with me. Here in, in, in chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 12 and just read through verse 19, and we'll pick up in the latter part of that chapter. Um, but just a beautiful, beautiful text. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says in verse 12, If Christ is preached that he's been risen from the dead, how do some among you, he's writing to Christians, how is that that some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Because Christ died, right? If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And your faith also is empty. So think of the ramifications he's saying. Yes, and we are all found, or excuse me, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ, they also have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Think about that. We're looking like a bunch of fools being in this room right now if Christ is not risen from the dead. And the world is just absolutely laughing if that's true. The Apostle Paul agrees. If there is no resurrection, if the dead are not risen or have the ability to be risen, we're fools. Of course, Christ is risen from the dead, verse 20 following, and he talks about the fact, the reality of this risen Christ. And it is the very same apostle who is mentioning how there are hundreds, 500, that had remembered this resurrection as eyewitnesses to the risen Christ. Can you, I mean, some of us are, are lucky to see certain things that just are only to a few privy. Can you imagine you're one of those 500 that you saw with your eyes the risen Jesus. Imagine you're one of those two disciples on the road to Emmaus that we can read of in the Gospel of John that were privy to walk with the risen Jesus and talk to him before their eyes were enlightened of his presence. Or to be with his disciples like Thomas and others who are eating with Jesus and talking to him. That's the picture here. And that's their choice. They chose to believe. Even Thomas, after having seen Jesus, had difficulty with this. But seeing him, he did. It is also your choice on how you look at this very day. Again, because there are many brethren and, and, and a great desire, to no fault of, of their own, who are saying, you know, unless God actually said, thou shalt have a special day, called Resurrection Sunday, 
or that some would later refer to as Easter Sunday, and for all that we can get into, and I've done sermons on this already, about the realities of the translation of the word Easter in the Bible and, or the, the word Iestore, and, and you know, we can get into all of that. But here's what is said. In Romans chapter 14, the text may not necessarily be talking about this particular Sunday, but it is a general principle that is used because the Apostle Paul does not deal with specific days, right, in Romans 14. He actually deals with it from a general standpoint. But in Romans 14, read this with me and let it sink in. In the passage here, beginning in verse 5, the apostle said, after he talked about those that would eat meats and those that would only eat vegetables, he says to, on another subject matter in verse 5, one person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. You know, for those of us that we want laws, this is hard to deal with. Because you want, just give me a right or a left. I just want to know, yes or no. And he said yes to both. That's what he says. He says again, in verse 6, he who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord, he does not observe it. So there are those who are observing this day religiously. To the Lord. And some might judge or despise that. Others are not observing it to the Lord. And there are some would, that might mock that. In other words, there are some that would look at this day and like, okay, this is just any other Sunday because there's nothing in the Bible that says to celebrate this day. There's nothing. It is something that man has done. This is a sermon I have chosen of my own volition. It's choice being made. That the tradition of those who profess to follow in Jesus over the course of centuries has deemed this the greatest day there ever was. That's the tradition. It's not limited to this country. It's all over the world. And many are, are rejoicing over a resurrected Jesus. Tell me if that's ever a bad thing to rejoice in the resurrected Jesus. Never bad. Always good. Always. And so we all have our choices in this room. See, that's the beauty about the, the kingdom of our God. You know, on a completely shallow note, this morning in our Bible study, some people believe in dinosaurs, Job chapter 41. Some people don't. Same body. What you have is an amazing opportunity with regard to this choice because it is literally a choice of life and death from, from my vantage point and probably from your vantage point. That if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God, that as Jesus said, he himself would raise him up on the last day. In other words, those of you who believe, look, this is the will of my Father that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him 
will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. That's why I'm here. Because I have that conviction that I'm going to be raised up. Everything is substandard to this point right here. That's the reason why I share the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. The last passage I'm going to read, I want to read this in 1 Corinthians 15. Again, we could read even past these verses, um, or at least verse 58. But I want you to read this with me, and you tell me if you don't walk out convicted about the resurrection of Jesus and how it pertains significantly to you and your walk with Jesus Christ, and then how you ought to live your life. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we were reading about the resurrection earlier in 1 Corinthians 15 because this is a major discussion. In fact, I would venture to say some of these people might have been Sadducees that became Christians. Others would have been Greeks that had a different mindset about what happens after, after uh, we die here on earth. And so he addresses whomever it is with regard to the reality of Jesus' resurrection and says this in verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. That's what we're living right now. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, which is Jesus Christ, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And then afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, speaking of Adam, made of dust. And the second man is the Lord, which is from heaven. Or who's from heaven? As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have been born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. So behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible is put on incorruption, and this mortal is put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? See, the sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain 
in the Lord. The resurrection is so powerful. It takes people that would otherwise not walk with God, even if they believed in God. But when you have the promise to put on immortality, to put on power, to put on the victory that overcomes death, well, isn't that what man has been searching for since the beginning of time? It's called the fountain of youth in some ways, where we can live forever and ever, right? That's what we want. God says, here it is, and it comes through Jesus. And as he overcame death, for those of you who are willing to be found in Christ, he will raise you up on the last day. And you will have that victory over death as well. You will have the resurrected body that you saw in Jesus or that you read about in Jesus or that you heard about, about Jesus. Is that what you want? If you want that, live resurrected lives. Live lives that show that you believe in the Son and you believe to walk in His ways and to kind of look like Him and to act like Him, to speak like Him, and to grow closer and closer to Him in your wives, in your lives. That's what was said in the very last verse after dealing with the resurrection. That's the choice that you get to make right now. And if you've not made that choice to die in the likeness of His death, so that you can raise to walk in newness of life, Romans 6, verse 4 again. Why not make the choice today? He's already made the choice to send his son to die for you. Jesus made the choice to die for you, and he has been risen. And for those that believe in that and want to be joined with him, I urge you to die today so that you can be raised up in the likeness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why not come now as together we stand and sing?